vehicle companies need to adapt and change as the demand for and technology required to make EVs advances. To discuss some of these changes, I'm talking with Dylan Bodders, sales consultant at Combs, Johnston, BMW, Tauranga in New Zealand. Hi Dylan. Hey Adrian, how are you? Good, thank you. Good stuff, good stuff. Good to be able to talk to you. Yes. So we're happy to have customers in and people like yourself as well who are interested. Oh, I guess how long have you been actually working here? At Coombs Johnson, coming up three years. Oh yeah. For the brand, uh, a total of eight. When people come in, is there a lot of interest in EVs at the moment? Yeah, lots. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's still interest in other vehicles like yeah. petrol and diesel. Yeah. Well, we have plug-in hybrids. So for us, it's just a, a qualifying process. I mean, yeah, there's misconceptions people first have, but yeah. right for them. And um, we obviously listen and ask questions and probe as to how they use their car and take it from there. But in general, overall, yes, there's a lot of interest for EVs. Oh, yeah. Is there any sort of, what's the common misconceptions that people would have? The most is probably with the plug-in hybrids or hybrids. They um, they might be a big commuter doing lots of travel. Yeah. They instantly think uh, it's going to have instant savings or a reduction in their fuel consumption. But understanding how they drive the car um, and where they're using it and the application, yeah. uh, it actually sometimes we end up pointing them back to something like a diesel would be more practical and more beneficial for them. But if they're doing short commutes, little commutes, um, like your normal person, dropping the kids to school, going to work, supermarket, pick kids up, yeah. then a plug-in hybrid or hybrid could be perfectly suitable. So it's just understanding what's the right application for which car. And what's the most popular um, electric or hybrid here at the moment? Uh, we sell a lot of the plug-in hybrid X3s. Oh, yeah. An X330E um, has been quite a very popular plug-in hybrid for us, uh, as well followed by that the X545E. So what's the full range of, is there a, how many hybrids are there then? Roughly? So, I mean, there are more and there are different models in every country, yep. but here in New Zealand, we offer, uh, so we've got a 225E, which is a brand new model that's coming to New Zealand. Uh, they're literally just arriving at the moment as we speak. And they're actually one of the only models we have, which will be applicable for the government uh, rebate. Yeah. So they get a $4,025 return. Yeah. Um, so 225E, plug-in hybrid. Then we have a 330E plug-in hybrid, uh, as well as a 750E plug-in hybrid. Then we have the X330E, the X545E. Um, then we do a few mild hybrids as well in the mix. Full electric, we have iX1, iX3, the iX, i4, uh, as well as the i7. And just newly uh, noted, we've got coming on the way later this year, the i5 as well. Oh, okay. And they're all based, they're based on the same platform, aren't they? I mean, like the electric ones, there's the petrol and then they sort of put the batteries in. There's not specific electrics at the moment. Uh, so we have one, BMW is a bit unique in the way they've done it, yeah. um, which I, winding the clock back a couple of years ago. So BMW and every manufacturer was mm. the same thing. So they had a, whether it was a BMW 3 Series um, a, or a Mercedes C-Class, a petrol and diesel model that already existed and they found a way to bring in a plug-in hybrid or convert that to something electric. What BMW have done, uh, they've left that sort of planning and thinking. So now every new model that BMW releases, so a generation for a, a design lasts six to seven years. Yeah. And we've got a lot of them in the BMW range, which is exciting for us. So it's new generations yeah. coming out. Um, we've got a lot of them that are releasing new generations. So yeah. The i7 launch he came through to. Oh, yes. Week back. So that's a new generation platform. But that platform has been designed from the ground up yeah. uh, in terms of design that it's equipable for both a petrol, a diesel, a plug-in hybrid, or a full electric car. 
Uh, and the purpose for that is the production line becomes a lot more streamlined. Yep. Sourcing for parts down the line and reliability uh, is a lot more streamlined and simple. So, for example, the the door handle for the inside or the door card or whatever it might be uh, for a 7 Series will be the same on a electric, petrol, diesel, plug-in hybrid 7. You're not having to have a warehouse that's storing the same type of door but slightly varied for whether it's a petrol or diesel or plug-in hybrid or an all-electric yeah. car. So all the generations now are coming out uh, on this sort of platform where it can be at the factory line, equipped as an electric or yeah. equipped as petrol or a plug-in hybrid. Yeah, that's the most expensive car I've ever sat in before. Yeah, yeah, the i7 Porsche. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, absolutely stunning. Stunning, but maybe very nervous. Just uh, be- uh, you feel once you drive it, you do feel Yeah, have you had a, have you had a drive I have driven it, yeah, very briefly. I haven't yeah. had much uh, of uh, opportunity to play in it, but oh, I mean, played it in the showroom, but not on the road driving yeah. as a as a driver. As a passenger, yes, and yeah. it's smooth and great, you know, yeah. as a passenger. Um, I mean, you can get an i7 with a 30-inch TV in the back. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, so how's the dealership actually sort of changed, say, over the last few years with the increase of demand for... Uh, hybrids and you mean um, the different approaches we take yeah it's, it's becoming a lot more prominent i guess so it's, it's becoming more prominent we as well we've got a dc charger we're yeah. installed here um on the site and so that's for uh, us to use but it's also we encourage our customers to feel welcome to use it so it's a dc charger here for our customers our bmw customers uh if they want to come in have an extra lesson uh, which we do quite a lot of they're always welcome to um, and at the same time, you know, that 20, 30 minute lesson or even just a 10 minute lesson, question or a coffee with us, they can have their car charged up quite quickly on the DC charger. So we have that to offer to them. Even if they just want to visit Bunnings next door, we don't mind. They're all the welcome to pop in, charge, it's free to use. They can go next door, do the little shopping at Bunnings and off they go. Yeah, Bunnings is handy next door. It is. I nearly went there first before I came in here. So. Yeah. No, it is very useful. So we, we've got the DC charger, we've got yep. an AC charger. Uh, we've got technicians which are, uh, you know, specifically trained for our electric vehicles. So they have a lot of know-how. They get sent overseas to Australia. So they're, um, yeah, they're well-equipped. Yeah. I'm just getting back to the sort of how BMW's plans are. Was it 2030? Mm-hmm. I think was, was it half electric? Yep. They, so hybrid. Yep. So by that point, they, uh, if I remember correctly, they want to have 10 million uh, electric vehicle styles. When they yep. say electric, they do mean a mixture yeah. of all uh, electric, so EVs, yeah. as well as plug-in hybrids. So is there exciting new technologies that's coming through? Yeah, there's quite a bit. So uh, for us, it's probably the digital interaction that comes with the vehicle. So there's many reasons why I enjoy driving the EV, like yeah. the iX1. Yeah. Uh, for me, my iPhone uh, is a key. So I don't carry a physical key. When I'm here at work, I have it on my phone. I can walk up to the car, jump in it, and drive off. I can see that it's charged. I can tell it to charge all from my phone. I don't have to stress about finding a petrol station. It's a huge convenience. And you've had a car for a few years, haven't you, electric? No, I don't own it. They're company vehicles. Yeah, but you've typically. I typically, yes, I always stick to an EV. And winter's useful because the cabin can be preconditioned, preheated, yep. which is nice. I jump into it in the morning. There's no mist on my windows. No cold leather seats. Cabin's nice and warm. It's snug. Um, it just makes the trip to work, you know, even more enjoyable in the early hours of the morning. And the convenience. It's. I know it sounds silly. People go, oh, it's convenient to stop at a petrol station for five minutes. But it's so convenient just to plug in at your house. And whether you plug it in once or twice a week, it's not that hard. I mean, we plug our phones in every night. 
So I plug in a car in once or twice a week, you know, it's really nothing. But you don't have to make any special trips while you're out and about. While I mean, everyone's so busy nowadays, mm. it just becomes another task to do yeah. when you're out in public trying to find a petrol station. Yeah, so basically you go home and charge it. What are you driving at the moment? Is it just a... uh, the iX one? Oh yeah, yeah, the iX one. I really enjoy it. So it's a good size car. It's comfortable. Uh, it has massage seats that come with it. It's yeah. standard. In terms of options to add to an iX one, it is perfectly well equipped. You just pick your color. And if you need a tow bar, and that, that's all there is. What's, what about, is the supply of them, what's the supply like of so the... Supply, so it depends, model to model. Like yeah. the iX1's just quite newly released. So the iX1, you can find some stock. I mean, there's not a lot of stock. Maybe we could find one that's available for you, but it may not necessarily be your number one color. It might be yeah. your number two. Um, otherwise, we can always order you one, uh, which would be roughly about sort of six, seven months at the moment, uh, coming out of Europe. If it's an iX3, that model's been around now for a bit over a year. We've got stock of that, uh, as well as some models of the iX, the i4, uh, the i7 being, I mean, of its caliber and its pedigree. Yeah, I'm in no rush yeah. to put a, <laughs> they're, the they're, deposit down. They're a little bit more, not difficult to get your hands on, but there's, there's fewer of them in production, yeah. you know, just for their pedigree. So there could be one. Uh, I'd have to have a look, but you can always order one, of course. No one yeah. stops you from doing yeah. that. And in the i5, I mean, that's model that people are just starting to put down reservations and deposits online for because, um, yeah, it's going to be an exciting car, that one, I think. Just sort of slightly different. What about the um, BMW seems to be doing a bit of, well, BMW is doing a bit of hydrogen as well. Yeah. So, um, so I, I keep up only what I see on Facebook, scrolling yeah. through BMW testing hydrogen. Um, I know there's a few other marks and brands are doing the same thing. Yeah. Me... Personally, I don't see it uh, of something of fruition for, you know, the, the driver like you and I, you know, we're driving to work, we're driving home. Uh, I, I see the application of hydrogen more in logging trucks, short domestic airline travel, perhaps uh, as well, delivery vans, trucking, logging. It's, I think it's going to be more of a commercial application for those types of vehicles. Not, not someone who fills it up on Monday and uh, could drive to work back home, kids. Uh, over the course of the week and maybe take the kids to sports on the weekend yeah. and they've only driven maybe 200, 300 k's over that course of that week. I don't think hydrogen's going to be the right choice. Bit hard to fill them up at the moment, isn't it? Well, yes, is that. <laughs> um, but from what I've heard from speaking with some customers, I've got a few who, yeah, they're in the fueling business and uh, all they supply to the fueling business and they don't they don't see the, the right application for it, but they're, they're EV owners. Where do you see things going in the next five years? of EV development? I think you'll see every model that we have available, there will be a electric counterpart yep. or electric option to um, give us a choice. BMW have said that they're not gonna uh, drop the petrol motor. That's that's not on the horizon. It may not ever be, but um, you never know. So yeah, I'll see of all the models that we have going from one series to an eight series, an X1 to an X7, I think there'll be an electric option for each one of those. Yeah. Uh, potentially as well, a, a plug-in hybrid for each one of those. That's where I see it's going to be in the future for yeah. BMW. And then plug-in hybrid electric ranges will keep increasing and increasing as the battery technology develops. And I think for a lot of customers, yeah, they'll if they've had one and then they've had the next one, they'll get to the third one. And it gets to the point where I might as well just drive an all-electric car if, mm. if I'm never even touching the petrol tank because uh, the EV range on the plug-in hybrid keeps getting better and better and better, you know, slightly by variation by variation. What's the point in 
upgrading just a little bit of electric range, I might as well just take the full step and get a all electric car. Yeah. Which I mean, I'm seeing a little bit with some customers already. So some plug-in hybrid customers go, I could quite easily see myself buying all electric. Because people usually do that, they're inching. To, these are like the hybrid, but then they go electrical. No, there's, uh, so they'll, they'll buy a plug-in hybrid because yep. even if they're only going to get 35 kilometers yep. of an EV range out of it, it, and they obviously don't, they're just cost next to nothing to yep. charge it, it becomes a little bit of a game. Okay, well, I've got to do that here and today, this and that. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be 35 k's. I come home, charge it yeah. overnight and tomorrow. I don't know what else I'm going to do. Yeah. I've got a 35k rank where I don't have to pay for fuel. And so they constantly keep on charging it to make sure that they've always got a full charge the following day. And um, so I've had a few customers like that who maybe in a year's time, they've actually paid for one, two tanks of fuel, yet they've done 14, 15,000 kilometers. Yeah. Um, and they come back to me and you know we follow up with our customers, see how they're going, and they go, I could easily see myself going electric mix because they start to realize how often do they do big, long road trips? It's not that frequent. That's what they say, isn't it? Most people do that 30 to 40K a day thing. Yeah. So they start to realize, well, do I buy a car and you know make such a big investment on something that I only do maybe once or twice or no, even just once a month? Do I make that judgment of that? Um, and I think people are starting to go, actually, no, it's more day-to-day what you use it for 90% of the time. Mm. BMW and their sustainability. What's what's happening there? So BMW do a lot. Um, now that that's in high regard to them. So yeah. even from the raw materials, um, BMW set up a system where even the raw materials where they mined are done in uh, ethical and moral ways. Same thing like you'd see in a coffee shop. Yeah. The beans are sourced in an ethical and moral way, and BMW do that when it comes to getting the raw ingredients uh, to make the batteries, and. The whole process, they monitor it, they check it, they're very fastidious about it. Then even when uh, it comes to the other components of the car, so a lot of the plastics, uh, the floor floor linings, a lot of people don't realise that the floor liners and carpets are actually made out of recycled fish nets that get hauled up, pulled out of the ocean, are uh, those plastic nets that tangle up all the, uh, the turtles. So they use that to turn into something better and better for the world and it yeah, goes into the carpet flooring. Some of the plastic trims as well as all recycled plastics. Um, I mean, a lot of the wood trims have got that FCA certification to it, uh, as well as now they're starting to do it with the tyres. So the sourcing of, I forget who now that they've got it in partner with, but some of the sourcing of the tyres for the rubber in an ethical or moral way. Uh, I heard about the factories as well. Yeah, the other factories. So, I mean, they've done that since 2013, 2014 now. Um, Like the first one they did with the i3 and the i8, that factory, uh, they built the factory, built four wind turbines, and those wind turbines uh, power the factory. So it's a uh, 100% operated on renewable energy. Uh, and then, of course, everyone goes, well, what happens if there's no wind? Do you get no cars built? No. So before the i3 and i8 came about, there was a test run of a few electric minis. And you could never buy and You could only lease them from mini. And that was in the late sort of around 2010, just before. So those batteries were then pulled out of these 100 cars, stacked in the factory for this one in 2013. So uh, all the excess energy from the wind turbines is actually stored in very old batteries. And so when there's no wind at the factory in Leipzig, those batteries then run the factory um, and keep the production line going. So that's a really, really cool story. Maybe just as a general, so maybe someone's considering a electric or a, a plug-in, what do you think's like maybe just a key point to... They should know 
if they're going to change from say petrol to a hybrid or some key tips for their lifestyle or find a sales rep or sales consultant who's going to tell you the ev range that the both vehicles that the plug-in hybrid will achieve on its electric side and that the all-electric vehicle will achieve in real range so what i mean by real range is you find a sales consultant that drives the cars that um, doesn't pick the fastest and the flashiest sports car that they have to drive. Find the one who drives them themselves because he, they'll tell you what they achieve. They drive just the same as you. Mm. I can tell you what our cars do on a realistic term. And that's what I tell our customers because I think a lot of the time people see the number on the internet of what it's uh, up to or expected range is um, and they base their decision all off that. And they could have actually found a better option elsewhere. That's a really good point actually because, yeah, the WL WLTP. Yeah, it's, they're achievable ranges. I yeah. don't get me wrong, but you can you can achieve it, but those are ranges. Best case scenarios, right? Like your fuel consumption rating yeah. of your car, yeah. and you could get it, but you got to try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To get it, yeah. and you're not going to be driving like that, and you're you know rushed to work before eight a.m. Yeah, got to go pick the kids up from school and then drop them off. Uh, That's rushing. You've got the air contract. There's there's a lot of other variables. Yeah, and you just, unless you've got a week's time of nothing to do, you'll be able to get it. Yeah, you can yeah. go drive as slowly as you'd like to accelerate as slowly as you'd like. You've got no time in the world to worry about anything else. You'll, you'll get it, but day to day. That's a very good, good place to stop then, Dylan. That's right. Thanks very much. No worries. It's, I'm happy to help out. <laughs>